0: Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. This time, Pardes is bringing Pesach to you. Let's dive in. Hi, this is Rachel Berkowitz coming to you from Jerusalem. This is the first unit where we're going to be learning through the first two chapters of Mishnah in Tractate Sachim. Originally, the Tractate was called Tractate Pesach. And it became plural in the time period of the gaonim when they broke it into two parts. They realized that the tractate dealt with two different topics. One focused on the commandment to not eat and refrain from interacting with chametz, leaven. And the other part of the tractate dealt with the korban pasach, the paschal sacrifice. In the first two chapters, we're going to be focusing on this commandment of chametz. And we're going to be trying to unpack and understand its significance and its meaning. Um, The first Mishnah, and basically a large portion of the first chapter, is going to deal with bidikat chametz, the checking of chametz. And what's very interesting is that this ritual, which is so central to our experience of the Passover holiday, is a rabbinic ritual. The Torah does not say anywhere you must check beforehand um, that you don't have chametz. It definitely tells us to destroy the chametz, the leaven, but it doesn't tell us to check. And this is a ritual that the rabbis created. So we're ne- going to need to think about this carefully and understand why they created it and what it teaches us about the experience of um, the holiday and particularly our relationship to chametz and to leavening. What is very interesting is in these chapters, the focus is solely on chametz. The word matzah is not mentioned anywhere in the tractate till the very end of the tractate. There are 10 chapters in Mishnah P'sachim, and only in the 10th, when we talk about the Seder, do we use the word matzah. A little bit once in the ninth chapter, when discussing Pesach Sheni, the 2nd make up Passover and telling you the difference between the Passover that is celebrated in the month of Nisan and the Passover that's celebrated later for those who can't uh, fulfill the obligations in Nisan, do they mention matzah there? Uh, we're go- Separate from that, the entire first nine chapters and all the chapters that talk about kameis, the word matzah isn't mentioned. So you might have thought the whole reason we refrain from interacting with leaven is because there's a mitzvah to eat matzah, and that chametz is just the flip of matzah. However, what we're going to see from our mitzvah, from our mishnah is that chametz seems to be a mitzvah in its own right, disconnected from matzah. If anything, it's more connected to the korban pasach, to the paschal sacrifice, and we'll see that in this chapter. And so we're really going to need to think about what is this mitzvah of chametz. What do the rabbis of the Mishnah want to teach us about this concept, about this idea, particularly in our lives in general, and then particularly with um, this, this holiday that we're celebrating in the spring in Nisan? So that is something we're going to really uh, look at and try to unpack together. My style, if you've learned with me, is that we learn each of the Mishnah out, but we're all the time thinking of the meta themes and connections between the ideas presented in the chapter, the language used by the rabbis, so that we can unpack um, the deeper theological and philosophical ideas that the rabbis want to present to us with their work. Okay, let's jump in. The first Mishnah starts in a fascinating way. It says, Or la or which means light, of the 14th. However, we're going to find out in a second, or we understand that the word or isn't referring to daylight. It's actually referring to physical fire that we light with a candle. And it means the evening of the 14th, right? Jewish days start in the evening and go to the day. And the holiday of what that we know that's called Passover starts on the night of the 15th. So this is the night before the holiday of Passover. Passover. We check the chametz with the light of a candle. And this word, or, is at the beginning of the sentence, and "or haner" is at the end of the sentence. And you immediately ask, what's going on here? What is so important about candles? Why would I ever check something at night? If I'm looking for something, it would be more useful probably to check when there's light outside than when there's darkness. Why are we starting off this chapter with or? That's question number one that we want to ask. Question number two that we ask about this first sentence is we check the chametz. What does it mean to check the chametz? Where would I find chametz? How how much do I have to check? What do I have to look at? What's going on here? Why am I checking for the chametz? We see that the verses in the Torah tell us that we, are need, we need to destroy chametz, and we need to not be able to see it, and we not shouldn't find it. So presumably that's why I'm checking for it. And the verses in the Torah say some interesting things. In Shemot, in Exodus 12, verses 15, and this is also in verse 19 and verse 20, the emphasis of where I'm supposed to be getting rid of the chametz from is from mi betechem, from your house. Right, get rid of all the leavening agents from your house. Don't find it in your house. Um, that seems to be the place that I'm supposed to check. Although there's an interesting change that happens. And once you get to Eretz Israel, once you leave Egypt and get to the land of Israel, um, chapter 13 in Shmot says, verse number seven says don't see chametz and don't see any leavening agents in all the borders presumably the borders of your land and Sefer Devarim has a similar idea it says right? that the leavening agents should be found in all the borders of your land so where are we checking? are we checking our homes? are we checking the whole land? the, the Mishnah at first doesn't tell us this and I think we're going to see a dispute on this factor. So we are a little bit confused immediately from the get-go. How can we explain this idea of the or? Why use a light to check for something? I would I would presume I would rather um, see, you know, use daylight. It's easier to see things in the daytime. So the, the Babylonian Talmud gives sort of like what I would call a little bit of a kitsch answer. Like most people are found at home in the evening, so it's better to assign something when they can do it in the evening. Um, the, it also quotes the Tosefta that says, like, light of a candle is yafe, is, is 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 a good light. It helps you see um, things like, I, I guess if I wanted to check in the crevices, etc., but we're going to see if we really need to do that, um, using the light of a candle a, to look in a dark place as opposed to, like, sh- sunshine won't work. So, well, that could be true. But could I learn something deeper from the idea of or? And what's interesting is the Rambam in his commentary to the Mishnah, he says that um, we wanted to use the word or because we want to start the tractate um, on a good note. We don't want to start in choshech We don't want to start in darkness. And I think that the Rambam is picking up something on the, on the literary aspect, right? What's interesting about the entire tractate is we're starting the tractate on the night of the 14th. And we're going to end the chapter 10 chapters later on the midnight, on the night of the 15th, when redemption happens, when, when, when B'Tseit Yisrael me Mitzrayim, when B'nei Israel leaves Egypt. And I think that the concept of light within darkness, right, is a symbol of, of redemption. And that, that experience of being in this dark place of Mitzrayim and then the light of God's hand to take us out is a powerful image. And we open the tractate with that image of being in darkness, and and we bringing light. And we end the tractate at the seder. And what do we say at the seder? And this is a quote from the fifth Mishnah of the tenth chapter. It says that we we are giving praise to God from bringing us ma'afila le from from fog and darkness to to bright great light. And clearly, that is the de- definition of of the redemption. That's the definition of the redemption that we're hoping for. And so we have these bookends of the whole tractate of of remembering the the redemption in the past with descriptions of bringing light into darkness in the present. That's idea number one. Idea number two, I want to suggest in the name of my daughter, Adina, when I was learning these Mishnayot to prepare for this, she had this idea. Um, If you remember, if you learned with me in the Rosh Hashanah challenge, we did the Mishnayot from uh, Tractate Rosh Hashanah, which opened that there are four new years. And the first new year was uh, the new year that was in Rosh Chodesh Nisan, was at the beginning of Nisan, linked to Pesach. And there we discussed, because that was the birth of a nation. It was the beginning. It's a new year because it was a personal identity marker for the Jewish people of, of being formed as a nation. It was It was a new creation for us, right? Rosh Hashanah that happens in Tishrei is the creation of the world, and Rosh Hashanah that happens in Nisan is the creation of us as a nation. And so my daughter suggested that all creations of worlds, of new worlds, right, how do they start? They start with distinguishing between light and darkness, like God did in the creation of the world. And so too here in the beginning of our creation story of a nation, we too make distinction between light and dark. I thought that was a very lovely idea. Okay, let's continue with the Mishnah. Where do we check? Where are we checking the chametz? And that question that we had gets answered in the next line. Kol makom machnisim bo chametz, And this is really interesting. Any place where a human being doesn't bring chametz, we don't have to check. Really? Right. This is new because I always thought it's always those places where you don't think you're going to find chametz, like the Cheerio under the sofa. That's what I'm looking for. But the Mishnah says the opposite, right? It's not that I'm checking all borders of my land, and I might not even checking all my house. Me as a human being, how I interact with chametz and the places where I use chametz, that's where I need to check. And then the Mishnah says another cryptic sentence. (inaudible) amru And why did they say, referring to the the rabbis, why did they say two rows in the martes, in the basement? Huh? When did they say two rows in the basement? I don't have any Mishnah here that says anything about two rows in the basement. Presumably what they said, check two rows in the basement in this underground uh, shelter. But uh, when did they say that? This seems to be making reference to an earlier Mishnah or an earlier piece of rabbinic teaching that I don't have. And now I'm coming back and trying to reinterpret this earlier sentence. Um, What did they say? What is a martif? A martif is that human beings dig into the earth. Sometimes it's below their house. And sometimes it's in their courtyard next to the area that in the courtyards they used to eat. And it was like a storage room. The martif, this word is only mentioned one other time in the Mishnah in um, Baba Batra. And there it's talking about a martif. It's a martif. Um, Yain, where I store wine jugs, right? And there, there it there talks about if I'm selling a Martef and it mentions how much do I can I presume that maybe there's gonna be some spoiled sour wine. It says a Martef that has a hundred jugs, I can imagine that maybe 10 of them will be spoiled. So our Martaf holds a pretty large amount of things, and presumably it it, it it's a storehouse mostly for wine. Um, and I think the original assumption is that I don't normally bring chametz in there. I don't put bread in there, right? Possibly if I go down in the middle of a meal, carrying some bread in my hand to bring up some more wine, I might have some. And then in answer to the question, why did they say two rows in the martif? The Mishnah says, makom Right? Normally, I don't bring chametz into a martif. But the first two rows, and we now we need to figure out what two rows there are. And in a second, there's going to be a dispute between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel on this topic. But that maybe is a place where I bring Hametz into. And a lot of scholars discuss this question about them making reference to an earlier law that we don't have in the Mishnah. And sort of the prevalent view that Epstein and and Shammai Friedman say When I look in the Tosefta, parallel Tanaitic material, there I have lists. Check these things, don't check these things, and they list places within the human homestead. And the suggestion here is that the Mishnah, possibly Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, the editor of the Mishnah, he took all those lists and he codified them into a rule. He looked at the places I don't check and the places I do check, and he said, oh, I understand this. It's the places where humans bring chametz that I have to check, where I think it's reasonable that there might be chametz. I don't have to check crazy places where I don't think it's reasonable, but I have to look at places where it is reasonable, and that's where I need to check. Okay, now the mission is conti- going to continue with a dispute between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel about what it means to rose. How do I judge the rose in the market? And we will look at that next time when we will continue where we left off. Thank you to our Pardes faculty and a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning and visit www.pardes.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardes.